Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, February 5th, 2024. And I hope that it finds all of you doing very well, whether it's Monday, February the 5th, 2024, or Tuesday, February the 6th, or Wednesday the 7th, or maybe it's Monday in 2025, or 26, or 27. I sure do hope that Jesus comes back before them, but in the event that he does not, Whenever you happen to find this, I'm glad that we have this time together as we continue along in our study in the book of Acts. Now, where we find ourselves is in Acts chapter 20 in this interesting, interesting interlude section. I, I don't even know what to call it. The reason I say that is because what we're running across, it actually began in verse 13, though we made it through verse 24 the last time, but we're dealing with this episode, for lack of a better term, where Paul is spending time with the Ephesian elders, those men that were appointed, that were elected as elders over the church in Ephesus. Um, he, we know that he wanted to go, decided not to go, knew that he couldn't go. Instead, as we read the last time, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. We know that Paul is on a mission here. Um, but nevertheless, he wants to address the Ephesian elders before he goes. And the last time we were together, we really focused on Paul's motivation, namely why he did what he did. And it was the calling of the Holy Spirit. But now today, we get really, and this is interesting because if you were here with us, while well, I'm recording this on Sunday, February the 4th, if you were with us here at Old Providence, if you watched the sermon that I preached today, I focused on the end of Philippians, the very last chapter of Philippians, and I talked about of all the things that Paul could say to this group that for all he knows, it's the last communication he's ever going to have with them, what would he say? And if you were here, you know that, and, and if you want to see that sermon, it's, it's right here on Sermon Audio, but, or Facebook. But as we saw at the end of Philippians, the subject matter that Paul focuses on is investing in the kingdom. But remember, what he's doing here is he's talking to the Ephesian elders. This is not some address to the Ephesian church or the church in Ephesus. This is talking to the elders. So we've seen his motivation as far as why he did what he did. But now today we come to some very interesting things. Interesting things that are also warnings. Now, admittedly, Happens in time and space. We know Paul's on his way to Jerusalem. We, we get all of that, okay? Or at least that's that's Paul's plan. We understand all that time and space. It's between Paul, the Ephesian elders. But principles are revealed, just like in, in church, right? Principles are revealed in Paul's instructions to the church at Philippi. Principles are revealed in what Paul says to the Ephesian elders here that apply to all of us, but especially to men who are elders, but it's, it's for all of us as the church. Now, I think that's enough introduction. All of that being said, let's pray, and then we'll dig in and see how Paul continues. Our Father, we pray that you will be with us now in this time as we talk about subject matter that is placed in time and space. It's historical. It's a, it's a, it's a conversation, a narrative that took place between Paul and a specific group of people, and yet this is your word the word of God for your people across all time. We need help, help understanding what you're revealing here, what you're, what you're showing. And, and, and only the Holy Spirit can illuminate your word for us so that we can see. So please work in our hearts now 
And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we get started here, there's something that I kind of just glanced over um, when we were together this past Thursday, when we started actually in verse 22. Like I said, we made it really through, through verse um, 24. We're going to pick up in 25, but there's something I want to go back to that I want to glance over. You've got this very interesting dynamic here where, where Paul is, is in Miletus, right? And, or Miletus, however you want to pronounce it. We know that his plan is to go to Jerusalem. We also know that he wanted to go to Ephesus, but he didn't go to Ephesus, so he had the elders sent for. And the elders actually greeted him, came to meet with him, excuse me, not greeted, but came to meet with him um, there in Miletus or, or Miletus, however you want to pronounce it. But Paul says something at the beginning here. You know, we, we just touched on this the last time, this issue of why Paul didn't just go there. You know, what, what's the deal? Well, we know that Paul's motivation is that he's a man on a mission. We talked about that the last time, but I glanced over something that we need to see the importance of here. Recognizing that Paul, for his own part, right? You remember the last time we were together, we talked about verse 23. Paul said, I know, or I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. He says that in light of verse 22. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. And you might read that and you might say, well, why doesn't Paul just stay? If he knows that hardship is coming, if he knows that death is, is lurking around the corner, and y'all, this isn't fanciful. This isn't Paul being dramatic or anything like that. He knows. He knows what's coming, okay? He doesn't know exactly when. He doesn't know exactly how. But he knows suffering galore is coming his way, and he still goes. Why? Well, what we glanced over is something I never really got to, and it's this. We see this with Paul because, indeed, we, we saw his motivation. We know he's a man on the mission serving the Lord. But also, this points to something really powerful, and it points to the Lord's calling. And I'm speaking about this in general terms, but calling for Paul as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is different. It is unique. The calling that a minister has as he's directed by the Spirit, while everybody has a calling and while I affirm what John Calvin talked about, there is no hierarchy of calling, right? If your calling is to, I don't know, be a CEO of a company, be a truck driver, be a cattle farmer, be a professor, be, I don't, I don't know. I don't, doesn't matter. Whatever your calling is, that's your calling and that's your highest calling. Okay, you're not missing out by not being a pastor or by missing out by not being president of the United States. What the Lord has called you to do is what the Lord has called you to do, and you need to do it. But specifically, as it relates to Paul here, and as it relates to pastors everywhere, this compulsion of the Holy Spirit is a very powerful thing, and I shouldn't have just glanced over it. Um, and I don't mean to be cryptic here, but as we consider what it is to do what Paul is doing here. Um, to be the one that has forsaken the normal life instead to serve Christ, right? That has committed himself to the church of Jesus Christ. In one part of his ministry, it's planting and growing churches. In other parts of his ministry, as we have seen recently, it's circling back around and strengthening churches. doesn't matter what it is. Because of Paul's motivation that we focused on Thursday, 
because of this mission that he is on, it's not as simple as saying, well, if Paul wanted to be in Ephesus, why didn't he just go to Ephesus? Or why didn't, instead of sending for the elders, why didn't he just go spend time with them like he wanted to? And if you've read much of Paul, much of the New Testament, you know that he talks a lot about the things that he wants to do. And he said, well, why doesn't he just do those things? And y'all, the reason he doesn't is because of verse 23. And now, compelled by the Spirit. Paul, as one who had dedicated his life to the ministry, as one who had dedicated his life to Jesus Christ and his church, knew that when it's time to go, it's time to go. And he might have had his druthers. And in many cases throughout the New Testament, we see his druthers, the things that he would rather do. He even talks about it again here. I, 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 the Holy Spirit's telling me in every place I'm going, the hardship, trouble awaits, but I got to go. And he had to go. And the reason we come back to that today to set up where we're going today is because it's in light of that, that Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit is calling me and I have to answer. It's not about what I want to do. It's about the Holy Spirit's calling. In light of that, we see his final words to the Ephesian elders here in this context. And what do we see? Yeah, after talking about his desire to finish the race, after talking about his motivation, we come to verse 25, which says, Now, I know that none of you, remember Paul talking to the Ephesian elders, that's the conversation. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. What a way to start a conversation, you know, or, or continue the start of a conversation. He starts by saying, I've been compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I got to go. I know it's going to be bad. I got to go. But the way he continues this conversation is, I know that none of you among, or I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Paul is convicted that this is it, that they will not see him again. Verse 26, therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Pause, time out. What's he talking about here? Well, we're going to find out a little bit more specifically, but let's be clear about what he's not talking about. Paul is not, this isn't some confession, some mea culpa, nothing like that. This isn't guilt over his past or anything like that, because sometimes people attribute that to Paul, right? That, that this is him trying to counter what he was. Well, trying, it's Paul trying to counter being Saul of Tarsus. Mm -mm, that's not what's going on here. How can Paul say he is innocent of the blood of all men? Well, he continues, verse 27, for, or because, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Y'all, Paul just said in that statement, Paul's right there. The reason he says, I'm not guilty, therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. The reason that Paul, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the reason that Paul, as the evangelist, as the one going out to start churches, going back to strengthen churches, the reason that Paul has a clean conscience about leaving them and continuing on in his ministry is because of what we just read. He said, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, in some ways, this is unique for Paul. 
Because remember, Paul is receiving God's word, right? As he's, he's revealing God's word, as he receives God's word, God's word is breathed out through Paul as he's writing this, as he's saying this. All of those things are true. So in some ways, this is unique to Paul. But like I said, there's some powerful principles here. And one of them is this. The reason that Paul can leave with a clean conscience and continue on in his ministry, even though part of him doesn't even want to go, He's compelled by the Holy Spirit to leave, and he leaves with a clean conscience because he can say, I have revealed the will of God to you. In other words, what the Lord gave me to say to you, I have said. That's unique to Paul in terms of God's word being written, but it's not unique to Paul in that what you've just read, what we've just read here is the calling of every minister. Did you know that? You might say, well, what does a minister really do? In the language of, of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church's confession, ministers are called to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. And where they get that idea from is what we just read. I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. The whole counsel of God's Word should be seen as the same thing as Paul saying, the whole will of God. Paul was receiving special revelation, which was the word of God being breathed out through him. We've got it already. We have the entirety of God's word at our disposal. And if you want to know what a minister is supposed to do, it's supposed to preach it. Um, I've talked about this before, and, and this is a little bit awkward. It's kind of like I talked about today. It's a little bit awkward because I are one, but there's a reason why at Old Providence I preach chapter by chapter, verse by verse through books of the Bible even ones that are very uncomfortable at times. I think about when I came to Old Providence seven years ago, and the first few sermons were, were overall preliminary things. I called it my Getting to Know You series, right, where we talked about different core beliefs and vision and that sort of stuff. But the first book of the Bible that I started preaching, I think on week five of being here after those first four sermons, was the book of Ephesians. And you might say, oh, yeah, Ephesians, that's great. You know, all sorts of theology, very rich stuff. Yeah, but Ephesians eventually gets to wives submit to your husbands. Husbands, obey your wives. Children, obey your parents. Awkward stuff, y'all. What new preacher wants to talk about wives submitting to their husbands? Especially if your wife's sitting there. <laughs> anyway, I'm making a little light of this. But really and truly, y'all, there are all sorts of things that I preached in the seven years that I've been here that it really would have been very convenient for me to skip over those things. But I can't do that. And you might say, well, why? Well, because I've taken vows as a minister to preach the whole counsel of God's word. But what we've just read is really why. The reason that Paul can go, even though he doesn't want to, parts of him doesn't want to, even though he says, I know this is going to be terrible when I go. The reason that he can go is because he has a clean conscience and that he knows that he has been faithful in what he's preached. He has revealed the whole counsel of God's will. It is the minister's job to preach the whole counsel of God's word. That's why he says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. He's not talking about physical murder. He's talking about something so much more serious than physical murder. He's the pastor. He's the preacher. He's the one declaring the riches of God's word, revealing the will of God. And if he was to lie, if he was to hold back, if he was just to tickle the ears and squander that opportunity, 
There's no way he could be bold enough to leave. There's no way he could say, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. In fact, if he knew what he should have preached and refused to do it, oh, then the blood would be on his head. Now, let's apply that to today. As I go through my ministry, this is what I have to contend with, and it, and it informs why I preach what I preach. But what does this say about the pastors out there that do exist just to tickle people's ears? That do treat God's word as if they're playing a giant game of hopscotch, right? Where they'll skip, step on scales, uh, on, on, on letters or numbers, one, two, three, but they got to skip four and get to five. You know, it, it, it's, it's this game playing where it's all selective preaching and nobody ever really gets down to talking about things like, I don't know, hell anymore sin, repentance, how Jesus is the only way. Pastors make entire careers out of never offending anybody. If Paul can say, I'm innocent of, uh, uh, nobody's blood is on my hands because I preach the whole counsel of God's will. I've done what I'm supposed to do. Then what does that say about ministers that just tickle the ears? What does that say about so many churches in the United States right now where true repentance is never preached? That word, the idea that, that you could be wrong, the idea that this life does not exist to give you your best life now. I think it was Vody Bauckham that said, if you're living your best life now, then you're going to be in hell when you die because your best life is not anything now. Your best life is in eternity. And as we talked about today in church, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, as Jesus said in Matthew 6. But there's a powerful implication here. Who are you listening to? What are you a part of? What are you taking part in? What ministries do you support? Do not be those that share with blood on your hands as you empower wolves. And you might say, well, is wolves too strong? You know, he's, he's gone off to, you know, going off the deep end. Y'all, Consider what Paul says next. After saying, I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Of all the things that he could say next to this group that he says, you're never going to see me alive again. Never. This is it. Of all the things he could say, what does he say? He says, verse 29. Uh, excuse me. Verse 28. Be, or keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Y'all, of all the things that Paul could say, he gives them a warning. And, and as a side note, he reminds elders who they are. These are the elders of Ephesus. They're the under shepherds of the flock. The pastor is incredibly important, but ultimately the responsibility of spiritual protection of a church is not just on the pastor. It is on the elders. And if you say, well, Patrick's going off the deep end talking about wolves, verse 29, Paul said, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember, that for three years I never stopped warning each of you, night and day with tears. Something else powerful, you can stop right there, something else really powerful is revealed here. 
Paul talked earlier about how he didn't have any man's blood on his hands because he had preached the full will of God. What does that look like? The full will of God includes warnings about false teachers. Those that would add to God's word, those that would take away from God's word, those that would seek to just build disciples for themselves, those that would rise up from inside a church in order to pull people away from the church. Making disciples for yourself doesn't just mean that you've got a new preaching gig and you want people to come and listen to you. Maybe it's you got a bee in your bonnet and you, you're leaving and you want to salt the earth behind you and pull other people away too. Maybe you're hurt about the church. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But there's a warning here for the elders. And by extension, if you're an elder, definitely pay attention because this tells you who you are. You're an under-shepherd of the church. But for all of us, we've got to see the warning. If Paul says, I've been faithful to preach the whole will of God, and then he says, for three years I've been warning you about these things, then part of preaching the word means warning against the world warning against the wolves, warning to pay attention to those things that you let into your noggin, those things that you dwell on, the things that you accept, the things that you support. Now, when we come back together tomorrow, we're going to see some other powerful principles. But I think it's good to end here for the sheer fact that there's such poignancy in what we've read that again, of all the things Paul could talk about, he decided to talk about this. And I say Paul, but realize that as he's speaking, this is the word of God being revealed as it's recorded in Acts. And so while we can talk all day long about Paul and what he focused on and what he thought was important, the reality is, is this is what God thinks is important. Preaching the full counsel of his word being on guard against wolves, wolves on the outside and sheep or wolves in sheep's clothing that are on the inside. Are you paying attention? Are you keeping an eye out, an ear out? Are you listening? Are you evaluating? And I, I, I know that I am a human, I am fallible, but I can tell you my desire has been to faithfully preach the whole counsel of God's word. But I know that there are all sorts of people that watch this. I don't know where you go to church. I don't know where you give your money. I don't know any of those things. With some of you, I do, because you've allowed me to be part of your lives, and I greatly appreciate it. But there's a whole lot of you that I don't know anything about. Here's a reason why I spend so much time telling you you need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church and a Bible-preaching church. Of all the things he could say, these warnings are important. Let us be warned. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for Paul, for the compulsion of your Holy Spirit, that you made it clear when it was time to go, and he was faithful to do it when it was time to go. But as he reflected on his own ministry there in Ephesus, so I reflect on mine. It is my prayer that I have been faithful in my preaching. I know I have not been faithful always in the example I have left, and, and I repent of these things, and I pray that you keep working on me. But when it comes to the preaching, it's my prayer that I haven't missed anything. And, and Father, if I have, let my words pass away, because your word stands forever. But as we listen to this warning, oh, Father, let us be on guard. 
on guard against those that would remove from your word and on those that would add to your word. Let us keep an eye out and an ear out for the wolves and let us be found among the faithful. And we pray it in Christ's name, amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. But until then, if it is Monday, I hope it's a very pleasant Monday for you. And I look forward to being with you again soon. Take care.